1: Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. Uh, I'm really excited about today's guest, William Wadsworth, coming in from the UK, and he's going to talk to us all about unlocking the brain's potential for learning. And how does this apply to the audience is that a lot of the audience, you know, we're executives, professionals, we had to study, make good marks, make good grades, take our exams and there's actually a skill set for learning for memory for retention and for exam taking so which is why i brought him onto the show he's got some really interesting techniques and hopefully it'll be a benefit to the audience their kids and i'm happy to welcome him to the show so william welcome
0: hey chris it's great to be here i'm mm-hmm. looking forward to this
1: yeah so i know we were talking backstage and you know you're asking you know how can i add value and so kind of set the stage talk about your experience, your journey and learning and how you're now helping other people to do the same.
0: Yeah. So um, my background is uh, as a psychologist. So I read psychology (laughs) at at Cambridge University here in the UK. Uh, And then I I went out into the corporate world and sort of climbed the corporate ladder for a a bit. I was a, I was a you know, senior strategy manager in uh, for, for Sky here in the UK, the big TV company. Um, now part of Comcast Group, uh, who I'm sure is familiar to many of your stateside yeah. listeners. Um, and uh, I just had a moment about five years or so ago when um, I had this. I'd had this itch ever since my kind of university days, where like, I, I really wanted to spread the word about more effective ways to learn. That had always been a passion of mine. And the kind of seed of that passion was actually when I was studying psychology. Uh, I remember having one lecture tucked away somewhere towards the end of my second year, I think it was. And this was a lecture about how learning works and how to get information to stick in memory. And the thing, you know, my teenage years chris i was a pretty conscientious student uh, i worked pretty hard you know classic kind of overachiever and you know um i had that lecture and i sat there and i listened to how the brain works and how we learn and i just thought well this is crazy that i've been working my socks off all these years all these exams i've taken at <laughs> high school university and i like, no one's told me actually how to do it or like the science behind like what's going to help me do it in the most effective way uh, so that ultimately led to me doing what I do now and and kind of running the exam study expert podcast uh reaching you know hundreds of thousands of listeners around the world every year and and kind of private coaching and all and all the other things I do to support students uh, and professionals taking exams to study smarter, not necessarily harder,
1: yeah, it's quite interesting because um you know through undergrad i I made it through by just real memorization. I could just you know figure out what was on the exam, do the homework, do this the skill sets and just And then, uh, you know, medical school, I was like, man, I'm studying super hard. And then like my classmates, man, they studied like one hour and they were, you know, acing the exam. So I was like, man, there's got to be hacks and, you know, different ways of learning. It's not just, you know, kind of real memorization. It's kind of like the, it's like kind of uh, beating a dead horse, but if you can find better ways. So, you know, we'll start the thing is um, one thing is talking about is um, when you these individuals that can you know, I'd heard of one story where he was in law school and all he did was party. And then all he could do was like study the night before and then ace the exams. How are students doing that? And, you know, what, what is, are they cheating or their tricks kind of share your insights?
0: My kind of philosophy, like I, I would never pretend to, uh, any of my, <laughs> you know, followers or, or clients that I can, uh, magic away the need to study, you know, like we still need to put in the work in exactly the same way that if I was a, you know, a, a kind of a physical trainer, you know, a professional in the world of kind of building uh, a phenomenal body, like no credible professional in that field would be sitting down and saying, you no longer need to work out. I've figured it out. You don't need to work out, guys. Good news. You can do it all the night before and turn up at the Olympics and win. Like it's not how it works in physical training. It's not how it works in mental training either. You still need to do the work. With the tools I teach, you may be able to get away with less work than you used to, particularly if you're, you know, used to putting in a lot of time. You know, you may be able to scale that back and reduce it. And you may also find that if you kind of keep your workouts similar, um, you can get a lot more done in that time. So you, you know, your results go up so you can get more done in less time but it doesn't go all the way down to no time at all um, and <laughs> what I do find though is that so to kind of come back to your question and the example you gave of the student that never does <laughs> any work like you do come across that from time to time and and you know at different levels of academia and um, what i tend to find is that we do all have a kind of slightly different natural aptitude, I think, for how quickly we pick things up. Um, and there are, you know, many students I'll talk to through high school that that don't put in a lot of work and just kind of get by on natural talents and being quite bright and mm-hmm. you know, brushing up the night before and, and they kind of get away with it. It doesn't mean they're using best practice. Um <laughs> and at some point for those individuals, because I'll see individuals at various points in their journey, like at some point things will stop working out quite so well for them. So, you know, a very common conversation I'll have is when a student gets into university and you mentioned you're a medical student yourself, that's a classic example. You know, you might have got away with high school, um, you know, not really breaking much of a sweat academically, just getting through it on kind of naturally being able to pick stuff up in lessons. And then you get to medical school and you're like, (laughs) oh my gosh, and it doesn't work for you anymore, <laughs> and you have that kind of rude jolt and that rude awakening, and suddenly you're faced with, okay, right, well, okay, how do I kind of put this together? What am I supposed to do? Um, and some individuals navigate that; others don't, um, and that's you know one of the reasons some people kind of don't stay the course and, and end up um, end up falling off the rails and, and dropping out. So, um, yeah, there's a few a few thoughts there for you. I, 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 I yeah, hope that goes some way to to addressing your your question, Chris. Yeah,
1: and so you know, kind of. Um, to add on to that is, you know, I've had my, um, you know, roommate in medical school, and, um, you know, several roommates, and then one of them was like, he was like, um, for the exams, he was like, okay, once you figure out, like, there's certain topics, and then there's certain like, questions that they'll ask, and then he could sort of prepare himself. And so how do you in your clients and your work, how do you help them? Design good study routines, design best study methods. You mentioned some tactics and you know, you don't have to spill the secret sauce, but kind of give, you know, audience a flavor of what, what you do in your work.
0: Let's let's spill the foundations <laughs> of the secret sauce, Chris. Let's let's dive right in. So look, I think there's there's the first two things I'd want anyone to know about working effectively, which I think is is essentially kind of what, what you're asking here. Like what are the secrets to to doing well in less time? And like when it comes to learning stuff and getting stuff to stick in memory effectively now there's two bits of cognitive psychology that we really need to understand well and be able to apply well so the first one of those is called retrieval practice the second one is called spaced learning and when we put these two ideas together that is the secret formula that is the code to uh, get stuff to stick in memory that is the basis of success so what are these things just to unpack a little bit The first one, retrieval practice, that simply means testing yourself, pulling knowledge out of memory, otherwise known as active recall. So if you've kind of looked on YouTube about sort of study advice, it's sometimes also called active recall. I'm a psychologist by background. In the psychology literature, we call it retrieval practice. So that's what I call it. It just means practice at retrieving what you know from your memory. People often say, well, sure, you know, I test myself. Of course, I test myself as part of learning. But what a lot of people will kind of naturally do is they'll have the testing bit as kind of more like a diagnostic phase. So they'll do some learning in some other form, rereading, making notes, whatever it is. And then right at the end, they'll do some self-testing as like a check to see whether their learning has worked. And what we're saying with the principle of retrieval practice is, well, no, actually what we want to be doing is making as much a part of the whole learning cycle, the whole learning process as possible, based on this pulling knowledge out of memory in some way, testing yourself. A little tidbit, you know, even if you don't take exams, you've probably heard the advice, you know, how do you remember someone's name? Like we all meet, you know... Professional context, you know, you might meet, you know, plenty of colleagues, clients, uh, partners. You know, how do you remember those those names? That's a really great social and professional skill to have. The usual advice is, um, you know, repeat their name back to them as soon as you you hear it, and then again a couple of uh, you know exchanges later, and then again at the end of the the conversation. It's retrieval practice, and in Mm. that example, it's not only retrieval practice. You're not only practicing remembering their name. It's also spaced retrieval practice. Which brings us on to that second part, the spaced learning bit. So we don't just want to do our retrieval once. If you only repeated their name straight back at them, like it might stick, but you know, not always. For best results, we want to repeat that process of retrieving that name, or whatever it is you're trying to learn from your memory. So do it multiple times with a time delay in between. In the same way that if you were doing a workout, you'd be going, lifting some weights, allowing a bit of time to recover, then going back the next day, lifting some weight again. Um, So that combination of the testing and then repeating it over time intervals, that is at the heart of success in getting stuff to stick in memory.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, you can implement these tactics and tricks in, in, um, in your learning to become more efficient. The other thing that was that came to mind while you were talking is, um, so, you know, for example, um, you know, I talked to a lot of um, students, and the way they perceive learning is so, for example, you have um, your initial learning of the material, and then you have the exam, and then some and then there's, there's um space between their how you learn you know it could be coaching could be uh memorization could be what you were talking about and then a lot of the smartest ones they basically find a way to condense from point a to point b so instead of taking two hours they take 30 minutes and then they make it more efficient there's They know shortcuts, and then they don't. They don't have to do all the steps. They can kind of they can jump around. So, is in your opinion, is structured routine study versus kind of a free flowing? Which one works better, or is it client dependent?
0: I mean, you mentioned routine. I'll talk a little bit about routine. You also talked about shortcuts. So, just to give you an example of a sort of shortcut that that might speak to your point, um, like making notes is a common way that people study for tests, exams, and it doesn't. involve any retrieval practice when you're making notes you've got the book open in front of you, you don't have to remember anything so there's no retrieval practice happening so mm-hmm. what people will often do is they'll make their notes and then maybe later on they'll either reread them or maybe you know if they know about retrieval practice one of the ways to do retrieval practice is to do flashcards they might convert their notes into flashcards mm-hmm. what i'd say is well if you're going to go to the trouble of making notes let's make notes that you can test yourself on So you skip a step effectively, rather than having to make notes and then maybe turn them into flashcards. Let's make notes that are set up to test yourself. So it's really simple. Just put a line down the page, put your content down that right-hand side, put little questions or cues down the left-hand side, cover Mm -hmm. up the right-hand side, and then you can test yourself on those questions or cues. You're still making notes. You can't really change it. You've tweaked your technique a little bit, but you've made it far more powerful because now you can go back and test yourself on the notes you've made, and you don't have to go off and do some other strategy. So it sort of saves you time at that point you are making about shortcutting your your way to to success. In terms of the routine, I'm a big fan of having routine for uh, kind of my day. Like I find that a very supportive thing. And and many of the people I work with find the same thing. Like I think what that helps prevent is that constant like negotiating against yourself the whole day. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of students, scholars, or, you know, if you're studying for exams outside, you know, alongside a day job and you've got time before work or after work you know you've got control over that time no one's sitting there and making you do it no one's making you punch in and out it's it's on your t- it's, you know it's on your terms and that can be it's a gift but it's also a challenge <laughs> because no one's checking up on us until that final test comes in right so routine is a really nice way to kind of avoid the kind of negotiating against yourself and kind of losing like almost like mental energy units, just figuring out, okay, when am I going to do it this day? When am I going to fit it in? Okay, well, if I do it 15 minutes later, I'll finish with like all that kind of mental overhead of just figuring it out day to day, just kind of get rid of it all by system systematizing your routine and having a plan for how you want each day to look. You might need theme and variations if your days vary, but as far as possible, trying to keep things broad, broadly consistent I think is a really, really good plan in terms of when you do your study. Now, if you have kind of a regular pattern of classes, you, know, you might even build in kind of additional elements of structure as well. So you not only have your times laid out, but you also have kind of the, the tasks for each time slot. So one time slot will be the assignments for a certain class, another time slot will be the, you know, the the kind of making your 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 flashcards or whatever it is for another class. Um so you know that might be supportive as well. So yes, it does just depend a little bit on kind of the structure of your your time and what your what your challenges are. But I think it's a general idea yeah. having routine, having structure uh, is is almost always a good plan
1: yeah the other question is um so for example like best times to study and then also study times because when i was in med school you know it was basically just class you know for the first two years and you basically you basically had you know you could 24 hours if you could study you know um but then when we got into like clinic clinics and residency where you're actively working so at the end of the day you just have no mental energy to to study and you may not be yeah. studying effectively so how do you reconcile that
0: yeah i mean so i work with a lot of professionals who have a day job and they're studying outside their day job for, for exams and and you know the, the clinical uh, professionals would be a you know great example in, in the world of medicine so there's a couple of things um you know firstly thinking about uh, you know before versus after work so for a lot of people they might find you know, getting up that bit earlier, getting some work in before the work day <laughs> is a great <laughs> thing rather than, you know, putting it in the evening when they get back from work and they're, they're exhausted. So thinking about that as an option and um, thinking about your space as well as the time is quite an important consideration. So, you know, you might have home as your natural option. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's options to study at your workplace as well, either before work, after work, maybe during breaks, maybe during lunchtime. So that can be a good option. You know, some people, you know, if your workplace is quite quiet, getting in early, getting your head down, quite easy to focus, you know, that might be better than doing your work at home when there's all this, you know, the TV's there and your, you know, sofa's there and your fridge is there, all these kind of temptations, you know, Um, you don't have that so much in the workplace. So that might be more conducive to to staying focused. Um, So you've got the home workplace and then there's kind of this idea of the third space as i call it so if neither of those first two are good options for whatever reason then you know sort of asking yourself well is there a is there a third space option for me so you know that might be a coffee shop on your commute or it might be a, a local library that has opening hours that that kind of fit in with your with your work patterns you know particularly at weekends that so kind of experimenting with location as well as times of day i think uh um you know those are often the first two things to to, to figure out as you're you're putting together your study routine
1: yeah, I love that. And it's basically how you best, um, you know, one thing I learned is, everybody learns differently and studies differently. And it's how you best structure to get the best outcome. And then kind of to follow up on that is you have, um, you know, law school, med school, you've got all this volume of information. And how do you fit in just, you know, that's a lot of work just to learn the material and keep up with it. But then you also have to review it for your exams. What are your yeah. techniques and recommendations for reviewing Old material before the exam.
0: Yeah, ideally, the best case is when you are there's no distinction between the work you're doing day in day out and then the reviewing for the exam or the the revising for the exam. The two processes it's all part of the same thing. Um, <laughs> so some of the most successful students. You know, I I see and I, you know, I kind of do research on this as well and and kind of some of the, you know, I'll do focus group work and you know, I'll ask students you know, there's particularly a case where, you know, just like I'll look at students who have exceeded their expectations, the academic expectations upon them. They've punched above their weight. <laughs> and one of the consistent findings when you look at those kinds of students mm-hmm. is that they are doing exactly what I was just describing. They are they're not sort of leaving the review to the right at the end, like it's happening right throughout their course. So they're doing the kind of you know, if they've got particular set assignments or homework or whatever it is for their classes, they're doing that. But then they're also doing their starting their review process, just as part of going through the course. So, for example, um, you know, a good way to do your retrieval practice is is flashcards or or that sort of. Sm- Smart notes strategy with the two columns I mentioned. So you're kind of making those materials as you're going through your course, uh, and maybe you know you're making them, you're writing them, and then maybe you're saving some time at the end of the week. You're carving out some time to go through and test yourself on all the flashcards or all the smart notes, uh, as I call them, that you've made that week. Yeah. So you're starting the learning process off. Um, and then when you get to, you know, the exam is is coming, you don't have to go and kind of make all those materials. You've already got them ready to go. You've maybe done a round or two of testing on them already. So you're in a fantastic position then just to dive in, go straight into the testing, straight into the retrieval practice, straight into that really juicy good memory workout stuff um, yeah. and get yourself test ready uh, and then start to layer on, you know, practice papers do full kind of practice papers uh if you've got access to some and, and some of those other things to to get yourself in the best shape to take that test so
1: yeah. yeah the the next question i have is um with this how information is just so rapidly changing so you know stuff that we learned maybe a year ago is outdated and so you did all that work to learn all that material information and then something new comes my thinking is why learn that when it's going to change and, you know, so quickly. Um, So is it better just to kind of like a, like a hit and run, just learn it really and just kind of superficial and then kind of keep up with it or is it like go deep? What are your thoughts?
0: And feel free to challenge me on this, but I think in most fields it doesn't change so rapidly that there is complete turnover of like the entire knowledge base or theory base for a discipline. And it's completely different um, the following year. It might be like 3% different. In a year for a given field. You know, yeah. even a field that's moving quite rapidly due to ongoing research in you know some particular branch of medicines, a lot of new research, like in a year, like a three percent shift in what's the <laughs> like the best practice year on year, that's quite a big shift. That's yeah. three in ten bits of practice that have totally changed year on year. the Three, sorry, three in a hundred bits of practice that change every year. Like that's that's already feels like quite a dynamic field. But then most of it <laughs> doesn't change. So You know, I would, I'd say probably don't use that as an excuse for not, not (laughs) knowing your stuff. Mm -hmm. And as an, as a, a, I guess as a kind of, um, reassurance, I think one of the things you notice, and this is just from my observation, you know, uh, kind of impressive individuals in different fields, be it business, medicine, law, whatever it is, are typically quite knowledgeable individuals. So you look at individuals that have gone very far in their field, I think it's a common trend that they tend to know a lot about their field. And mm. that includes the history of their field. And that mm. just adds a whole depth and quality to their professional judgments on certain issues. So they don't just have that superficial opinion of kind of this is what we do today. They also have that weight of, well, actually, this is what we do today. And we used to think X, Y, Z, but now we know better. And therefore, and you know, you can think of lots of examples in given fields where that adds just a whole different dimension of Gravitas to a given uh, professional conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so for all the audience out there, let's thank William for coming on. He's got uh, top marks from um, in a first class degree from Cambridge. And so um, how can people contact you and reach out to you if they want to learn more, if they need, if their kids need help, um, if they need help with exams, um, how can they reach out to you? Yeah. So, uh,
0: I mean, the first place, you're listening to a podcast. So I'd say if you want to check out more of, uh, uh, you know, me and the things I teach, uh, you might be interested in checking out the podcast, which is the exam study expert podcast. Uh, It's pretty easily findable. We're we're in the, you know, we're we're kind of pretty, pretty much the top podcast, uh, Mm -hmm. certainly as I've been able to find on this subject of how to study smarter. Um, So it pops pops up quite easily. Um, so that's the podcast. Um, if you're interested in, in uh, taking the next step and, and potentially uh, getting my help for your situation directly, maybe you've got exams coming up and you want a little bit of support, or as you're saying, your, your kids have got exams. Uh, I work with learners of all ages, as, as you probably picked up on the conversation. Uh, you head to examstudyexpert.com forward slash Coaching, uh, and you can get in touch with me there and book a consultation. We'll have a bit of a chat, um and then uh, we can talk about how I might be best able to to help you or, or your family. Um, so, yeah, those are the two places to suggest. Uh, check out the podcast, and if you're interested in a little bit more help, um head to examstudyexpert.com forward slash coaching.
1: Yeah, and for I really enjoyed this conversation. I love learning and the techniques and how you apply it in real world situations to get ahead you know, in your career. And, um, with that, be sure to follow Williams socials on all his, um, uh, media and give him a like and follow. And with that, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
0: It's been such a pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed talking.